To so many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. And that's the thing, is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces, year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family that you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do than be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. I've brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball, they love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, now part of the Unconfined Network. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, Lou, uh, first of all, it's such an honor to uh, to meet with you and, and to kind of uh, find out a little bit about your process. But um, many of you folks may or may not know that uh, Lou's behind, or Lou, the, or the group that Lou is with, is behind some of the most iconic statues that we know um, in sports and other, work, and other places too. Uh, so if any of you are familiar with the Michael Jordan, the flying Michael Jordan, that's one of them. Obviously, it's an icon around here in the Chicago area. But there are others. There's, you know, ones at Lambeau Field. Who, you know, maybe you don't go there, but it's pretty exciting. So, Lou, can you tell me a little bit about, like, what? First of all, like, give me a little bit of your background. Like, where did you? What brought you to this? This is kind of a cool thing to be involved in. I, uh, I, well, I've done artwork my whole life. Uh, it's something that really came to me from my mom, and. Uh, uh, well, dad encouraged it too, but, um, uh, I was, uh, I went to Illinois state university as a studied graphic design and I took other classes other fine art classes. But when I came out, I was always working in agencies and things of that nature and, uh, started sculpting as a hobby really. And, um, it, well, it worked. I, what I was doing was, <laughs> was uh, looking the way I wanted it to. And uh, at some point, I decided I wanted some professional instruction. And at that time, uh, the Michael Jordan had been unveiled. And I went to the United Center uh, a couple of days later to take a look at it. And like everybody else, was just really impressed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then I, uh, I, I mean, everything I looked at on it, all the detail in it, I thought, well, if I knew how to do this, this is how I would do it. And uh, I mean, there was, there was nothing I would have changed. And um, I found out shortly after that, that Julie Amrani and uh, Omri Amrani were the couple who did it and that they were teaching uh, artists in the area. They had uh, a facility for classes in Highland Park, which I know, well, talk about the that the cosmic tumblers clicking into place. <laughs> uh, I, I raced out there. That was, in, and that was, uh, by the time I found them, it was in the summer of 95. And uh, I never left. Wow. <laughs> it was wow. The, Lou, the Lou who came to dinner, <laughs> I wouldn't go. And uh, eventually they, they hired me. And uh, the first piece I worked on with them was Harry Carey and, You'll see there that it's, you know, it's it's sculpted by Omri Amrani, co-sculpted by Lucella, which was a very generous thing for Omri to do, considering my modest experience at the time. 
But uh, as the years went by and I learned more and the workload would increase, uh, they started turning over full projects to me. And um, well, there was, it, it became very obvious to them that I had a real passion for baseball that nobody else there shared. So when anything baseball related came up, um, it almost always would be brought to me first. There, I mean, there were other baseball things that, that different artists there did, but uh, um, when the Cubs stuff uh, started coming in after Harry Carey several years later, uh, I was fortunate they've they've assigned those to me. So the rest of them are all all my own. Wow! And do you have uh, obviously you're you're a Cubs fan? It's clear, but there's some amazing stuff in your portfolio. And I had a chance to kind of look through it before we had a chance before we met today, just kind of not knowing who was going to be, I was talking to, but hoping it was you. Um, and, and, and well, because so much of it, it's very, your, your work is really dynamic. And, and the, one of the things I think about sculpture and, and art in particular is if you can, if it has a life outside of what it just a piece of metal sitting in the middle of a park, it has a life and you're pro you're, your stuff does it lives you know the the harry carry has a lot of motion and 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 layers but then you get around the corner and all the others there's it's like it's lifelike it's not just because it's the size it's because it really has dynamic motion so do you have do you have a, a say in like the images that they use or um the the what they're using as the as the source uh, yeah, uh, they're the, the Cubs, despite who I've w worked with over there, have always been a very receptive to anything I might suggest. Uh, clearly, the final decision is theirs. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> there was discussion about Ernie Banks in other poses, but some of these athletes, you, you simply can't do anything <laughs> else. Uh, anytime somebody from, we'll call them outsiders, will complain about the Ernie one perhaps being too static. I said, no, you, you don't understand. No. <laughs> you don't understand. No, that, like you're clearly not a Cubs fan. When, you have no idea I mean, what when, you're talking when, about. Yeah. When we were settled on that, on that pose and, uh, and my dad asked me, he said, so what's the pose going to be? And I said, and I looked at him and I said, what do you think? And my father just immediately, his whole body just dropped right into that right. Ernie pose. And, yeah. and there was anybody who knows Ernie Banks just knew instantly what that was. That's who it and is. Right. Exactly. So, you know, when it came to Billy Williams, there was room for discussion. And uh, I know they were looking at having him more at full extension, but uh, sometimes um, your your desires for these poses gives way to uh, certain practical elements. And if, and if we had had Billy with his hands fully extended around, as an outdoor piece, you know, it becomes kind of a chin-up bar and you run the risk of... <laughs> Of, of vandalism, which right. you know these do experience from time to time, and then Ron Sano came around. Well, we had two ball players holding bats, so uh, yeah, they they immediately were going towards fielding, and right. uh, and we and just the idea of him fielding a bunt and right. you know off balance throw just it was exciting immediately as we discussed it. So we we, we would do illustrations. Um, John Iwanski is a, a graphic artist who has worked with me on all of these. And, uh, and, and he helped me cobble this thing to get, you think it's easy. You think you'll just go to Google and say, Ron Sano, feels like, oh, no, <laughs> it's, it's not simple. So we have to put these things together. And now uh, uh, with uh, Fergie Jenkins, there was, there was discussions of different poses and uh, uh, I, particularly love the one we're doing. I don't know how many of you have seen it. I know Fergie posted it. Uh, on it's his spectacular. Instagram. It's spectacular. Cause it's just from that one game, right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's taken from an image that was on the cover of sports illustrated in 1971, which was the year he won the Cy Young award. And it's, it's just a beautiful shot. It, his face has uh, remarkable intensity in it. And uh, the grip that, you know, the grip on the ball, uh, it, everything, the way that the clothes are folding, the way the front of the jersey is already is propelling forward off of his, his body. It's uh, it, it's 
it may very well end up being my favorite one of everything <laughs> I've ever done by the time it's over, which is saying a lot because uh, that, that's a hard thing to to choose yeah. with these. Uh, I I, um, I get asked that a lot, and uh, well, it's uh, he he he, and, uh, he has been out there to see it once, and uh, I believe is coming again as we wrap up the sculpting end of it. And, and that's really valuable. You, you yeah. have somebody coming out there telling you, focus it, you know, it's like, you know, look, look at the grip, look at the position of the feet, look, you know, I mean, yeah. because you want those mechanics, right. You, you don't right. want uh, somebody telling you, you don't have them right. And you don't always well, have and, that opportunity. And, and a fan base is going to know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to, they're going to know. They study every little like detail. So um, kind of, harkening back a little bit to the the comments that you made about like how do you do full extension i mean this is a fully extended um mm -hmm. a pose how how are you i mean it's going to be obviously it's got a, a much bigger kind of footprint and and uh, we don't really know where it's going i don't know i'm i'm sure you have some idea of where it's going to end up no and i don't no, i don't, I don't. Really, they didn't tell you they, wow. they, well, i don't think they know i think they're still oh, well, discussing uh different right. spaces and there's that whole issue of uh they, they're going to be putting that that there, there's some addition the going bet. on yeah the sports bet is in fact uh one of our one of our viewers had a question about that because are they going to move ron and billy and when they put that in and you know like i don't know you probably don't know these things but it's it's got to be something that weighs on you a little because like that's your piece what happens they're moving it it's got to make it would make me well, they, they've moved them. They've moved them well, all they? many times. Oh gosh, yeah. When the uh, okay, when the initial construction started in was it 2014, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we, I was there, and they had a. It was like the first. I don't know. It was sort of like reverse launching of a ship. Uh, <laughs> they, they, the first thing they were doing in sort of a ceremonial way was taking down Ernie Banks. So. I was there with a work crew that was uh, cutting it free. We had a bunch of reporters there and it got stored. And, uh, and that's what, and they would just bring them back at the beginning of each season until uh, the construction was finished. So they're, they're, you know, this is not, okay. Not unusual. Yeah. Well, and I know that there's, there's a lot of rumors around and people are like, who is it going to end up in calendar? Because of this beautiful art you know but mm -hmm. i think putting it i mean maybe putting it in the park would would kind of limit access especially during games but who knows you know at this I, point I, so, yeah I, I i really am not sure i know that there's <laughs> nothing on the waveland side maybe they could right. put it there I, i'm not i don't know i mean who doesn't want to spend all their time on waveland quite honestly <laughs> <laughs> right so and actually now i want to talk a little bit about like the mechanics of this process because one of the things that struck me when i first saw these these statues in person I'm, I'm not real well versed in, in art or anything like that, but this is bronze and you've this coloration that you have. That's so it's when you get up on it, it's really vibrant and really beautiful. But is that built? Is that somehow, a, I mean, I, I'm assuming that it's like some sort of paint. How is that? How, what's the process to get the, the colorization in the statues? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the bronze comes out. It's just a, a it, 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 raw bronze kind of looks like, gold spray paint and right. uh and the the coloration you see on it is it's called the patina and it's an acid-based uh chemical that is applied through heat it uh they they will take a torch and simply heat the surface of the bronze and then with a brush put this acid onto it and they'll coat it mostly and then uh come back and brush it off now this is all done at a foundry this is long after my hands-on uh, okay. work is, is finished this is when i i have to put my faith in other people and right. <laughs> uh and, th and those chemistries will give you the colors that you choose now you, you can paint it uh also right. it's done but would it last uh, in fact, I mean, harry carey has a lot of paint on it it's not it's not classic bronze that's white bronze which is a nickel based uh okay. alloy and uh and there and that's all paint on there but then you brush it back and the metal comes through and that really gives you your, your depth uh, okay. and your, your uh, makes it even more vibrant. Right. So that uh, that's what we've been doing with the ball players. I mean, you, you see just a basic patina over most of it of the uniform, but then where appropriate, we put in the, uh, 
put in the, uh, the, the, the blues and the, and the reds. I mean, the reds, reds. I think, as I recall, are actually more of a brown, but because it's on this bronze, it comes the up nice and red. Is red. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great, I mean, the whole, it's, it's striking, especially for pe people who are walking up and seeing it for the first time. Um, now as to the process of creating the statue itself, I'm assuming that it's, it's rendered in clay and then uh, molded and then obviously sent off to the foundry where they, where they finish. Um, what, ha what I've always wondered what happens to the clay renderings. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> the, the clay is uh, a polymer, so it's, it's reusable. So uh, this, <laughs> this Fergie Jenkins uh, is made with clay that I used. Um, I, I did Edgar Martinez for the Seattle Mariners. And okay. uh, uh, I did Gail Sayers and John Hadel for the University of Kansas. Um, prior to that, uh, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. and Omri did Shaquille O'Neal. And, um, it, you know, it just it just keeps getting you. Just, so, so you break it back uh, down. It's a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, you know, it, you know, it gets wrecked and thrown out from time to time. But, uh, <laughs> But in small amounts, uh, you know, tons of it is always getting scraped off the floor. Uh, well, but, it's, uh, but yeah, it's recycled. It's constantly recycled. Right. So yeah, yeah, we'll open, we'll start a new project and you're opening up a bin and taking it out. And sometimes, yeah, you're seeing a, a face of Ken Griffey <laughs> looking up at you. Like, hey. yeah. Well, I think it, it's also maybe a little bit, you know, baseball fans especially are kind of a, a, we're a superstitious bunch. So kind of knowing that there's, there's history involved in the process too. I mean, there's almost a mystical connection now to all of these greats. Well, there's because, a possibility that there's, they're, they're not going to want to hear this, but you know, there's a possibility <laughs> that there's, that there's pieces of Paul Konerko and Fergie Jenkins right now. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I've done a lot of work for the White Sox. So. <laughs> I think we'll, I think we'll have to come to terms with that and just kind of accept but bottom line, it's all baseball. So let's, you know, you go. Let's, absolutely. Let's... absolutely. <laughs> and being in Chicago, they, you know, I get asked about that whole Cub Sox thing a lot. And, and uh, I, I, you know, sorry, Cub fans. I, I love that South side team. They, I grew up, I grew up a Cubs fan, you know, the blood is blue, but, but I, I, I love baseball so much. I love sculpting baseball players more than anything else. When I get a chance, I just leap. So when I'm working for the Mariners <laughs> or the Detroit Tigers or a college, uh, in fact, uh, in another couple of weeks, we're unveiling a, a manager I did for Cal wow. California State Fullerton. Uh, the man's name is Augie Garrido, and uh, he was the he was the winningest coach in NCAA baseball. And, wow. um, and, and so, you know, it, again, it's baseball, it's, uh, it's neat. So whether it's a college or a minor league team or, you know, cross town rivals and, uh, you know, and they, and they'll pick on me over there too on the South side. So, right. Well, uh, I mean, I think that's really part of it, you know, especially yeah, of here. Course. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it is, it is fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And I, uh, I, I particularly love it when I can work with the ball players themselves and, uh, um, yeah. you know, meet their families. Uh, I, I got to spend time with both, uh, Billy and his, uh, beloved wife, uh, Shirley, wow. uh, you know, in their home. And, um, wow. and it just, you know, it, it, life goes on, you know, and then, you know, people have these, these losses and it, it, you really, I mean, I appreciate this stuff as it's happening. So there's no, there's no, uh, a miss there on my part for, to, of appreciation for what I'm getting to do. But, um, but when, you know, somebody like Billy has gone through this, this difficulty, uh, and then yeah. this terrible loss right before the holidays, it's, uh, you know, you, there's a, if you really feel the humanity of it so absolutely absolutely well one of our one of our uh, viewers Coley has asked if do you have a dream player that you would want to work on uh gosh i i've been fortunate i i kind of already have uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean billy was my favorite when i was a kid yeah. um i uh and then if you know my I was such a Rhino fan um, and uh, Andre Dawson. 
I, I, I was, I was so excited when, you know, years ago when the White Sox signed Carlton Fisk, it just seemed like Chicago baseball in general had just taken a, a shift having grown yeah. up in the sixties and seventies, you know, you, you guys know that, you know, that, from that generation, it was miserable. When we it finally was started getting anybody in the postseason. It meant so much. So getting to work on Carlton Fisk was really neat. And that, and that is still one of my, my favorites that I've done. So as far as other ones that I, that I would really want to do, uh, I, I'd love to sculpt Lou Gehrig. I would, uh, if, that, oh. if that possibility came up, um, you know, you, you, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, gonna, I'm not living with any regret if I don't get to, but, uh, I would, I would love to do something relating to that, to the 2016 championship. Yeah. I was Julia just wondering, Ronnie wouldn't it be great up, to do that, that, pose where they're jumping all into each other's arms well right that's a moment that that photo <laughs> instantly became the most iconic photo in the history of the chicago cup it, i mean how often does that happen we're just right. overnight that image that's it that's the most iconic photo of this yeah. franchise so if they would ever want to honor the, the the championship team and i would get to do that i would poof that it that'd wow. be it that's that's hey, the, maybe it'd be <laughs> Maybe it would be something to see that with like, I mean, you guys like similar to what, 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 uh, is it Omrani, what he did with uh, Omri, uh, Omri, what he did with the, uh, with the Harry Carey statue where there's all that kind of stuff in the, in the base and the background and all around him. Maybe there's things that we can, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like planning for the team already. So cause I'm ready for that. <laughs> go ahead. Plan away. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> Put me on the count, put me on the, uh, on the committee. Cause I'm ready. <laughs> hey guys, Joe Flaherty again, and I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, athletic greens. Having been involved in the health and fitness space for over a decade, I've heard a lot of great things about their AG one formula from the taste to the quality of ingredients and the comprehensive nature of the product itself. So after they reached out to partner with us, I did a little bit more digging and I was blown away by what I found. So you might be asking, what exactly is this stuff anyways? Well, AG1 is a blend of 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to support nearly every system in the body. One serving a day benefits your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy levels, recovery ability, Pretty much any process your body goes through, AG1 can lend a helping hand. Now I have this stuff in my shopping cart as we speak and I'm most looking forward to a few things. First, I've been taking dozens of different supplements for years now and sometimes 10 different powders and pills from 10 different bottles can get a bit overwhelming. But AG1 offers simplicity. You can easily swap a single scoop of AG1 for a whole shelf of single ingredient products and be no worse for wear. And by the way, you stand to save a whole lot of money switching from a boatload of products to just one. Trust me, because I've been down that path before. Secondly, AG1 is a portable product you can take with you on the go. I'm a huge believer in the benefits of creating good health habits, and the fact that you can take AG1 with you anywhere is an easy way to ensure you're getting the nutritional support you need each day, no matter where you're waking up. And I don't know about you guys, but I always tend to get pretty beat up by traveling, and unfortunately, I often find myself spending most of my vacations nursing a cold. Well, AG1's formula can offer the immune support you need to kick that cold to the curb or even avoid it in the first place and let you really enjoy yourself no matter how long you've been in an airport or an Uber. And the kicker is, all the ingredients in AG1 are highly bioavailable, meaning your body can actually absorb the nutrition you're giving it. And I can't tell you how many times I've run into this issue of poor absorption and how bad you feel realizing that the only thing that expensive supplement you bought did was burn a hole in your wallet. With AG1, you have a nutritional insurance policy based on the latest scientific research, which is big for me, all for less than $3 a day. And if you don't believe me, AG1 has over 7,000 five-star reviews on their site to help point you in the right direction. So it's time to reclaim your health with just one scoop of AG1 a day. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, 
Hey Wrigley fam, Kat Garcia here. You may remember me from my days working with y'all at the ballpark before I became a full-time baseball writer. Well, I'm here to tell you that now I'm back and I've started a new podcast too. It's called Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia. Since I left to pursue my career in sports journalism, I've met so many incredible journalists and media members, even some outside of the scope of sports. And all of these folks are people whose work you already read or may be familiar with. And one of my favorite things about working in this industry has been hearing all of the great advice, lessons learned, and the sometimes downright hilarious stories that have been swapped over drinks with all sorts of incredible journalists and people. And oftentimes, I wish that our audiences were around for these truly authentic, fun, and sometimes candidly booze-infused conversations. So I decided I'm bringing them to you in podcast form. Join me for Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia, where I sit down with some of your favorite people in sports and journalism, like Lawrence Holmes, Scott Merkin, Maddie Lee, and Brett Taylor, just to name a few, to show you what life in sports and journalism is really like. So pour yourself a tall one or grab a hot coffee and join us. Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia is available now on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow the show on Twitter for updates, info on past episodes, and more at at grabadrink underscore pod. Cheers and happy listening. Club 400 Ballpark Lager is a beer for all nine innings. Take me out to the ball game. This crisp, easy drinking lager is perfect for a summer day amongst the bricks and ivy. Crafted at Crystal Lake Brewing, this beer is clean and refreshing with minimal bitterness so that you can celebrate a W in style. From Club 400, Cubs fans helping Cub fans, this baseball brew can be found at most places that sell beer in Northwest Illinois or from Crystal Lake Brewing. Beer master Ryan Clooney. Enjoy a beer or six pack today and please Please remember to drink responsibly. Reboots, reunions, reruns. No matter where you turn, everyone is going back to revisit nostalgic TV. Join us on a journey back in the day as we look at your favorite Black 90s sitcoms like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, A Different World, Living Single, and Moesha. We break down a new sitcom and episode per week, discuss why the show was relevant at the time and still holds up today, discuss its impact, and laugh at how different things were back in the day or how they stay the same. Check out Back in the Day with Tanya and Cheryl now on your favorite podcast app and come on a 90s Black sitcom journey with us. Well, and... Now we're talking a little bit about like, you know, your, your dream or whatever, but looking at the, other than obviously the 2016 team, are there players that you look at now and think to yourself, wow, one day that guy's going to be a statue in front of some stadium? Well, sure. You know, you, you can, you can see it unfolding uh, as, you know, when time goes by uh, that, you know, I, (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it just, were you just looking as, as Anthony Rizzo's career revolved here, you, you know, yeah. you could, you could see that, that happening. It, it becomes a, a challenge for, for organizations because when you're doing people that are still alive, there's always that possibility is- that something's going to happen. That's going to put them in a, in a difficult light. The, you know, yeah. the uh, Penn, Penn state had that, big Joe Paterno sculpture there for years oh, uh, and, and, uh, and they took it down. They took of it course down. They, did. they had to, they, they melted it down. They, oh, wow. some, and they told, I was told they took the bronze itself. It melted it into individual ingots and scattered them across the country. They didn't want, they didn't want any wow. piece of it able to come back. So, wow. uh, they, well, you know what yeah, but, but that is there. really something when you think about it that because these statues really become, I don't want to say like idols, but they obviously they feel that that is somehow, again, with that mysticism that's involved in art, they yeah, didn't want any part of it anywhere nearby. Get it, get it out of here. It's a, wow. it's a, they become a focal point. They, they become a meeting place. And, uh, and I have found that with baseball players, it, it seems more than any uh, other sport that that I have done these with, 
there's a uh, there's that that sense of history. There's that familial closeness that that baseball just uh, inherently brings itself to because of the the stops in play. And it always that always uh, impressed me as a little kid how my dad would take me to the game and immediately be having conversations with total strangers uh, <laughs> as though he as though he kno- knew strangers. the person for, for for years and and they would talk back the same way it was they mm-hmm. were just immediately old uh, old lodge brothers or something and when you <laughs> see people and i would do this i will i will get there before a game early you know and just be near the sculpture and and listen to what people say uh, yeah. and and uh, you get a sense of some really interesting things and i always bring up in detroit uh the sculpture of hank greenberg uh a man was talking to his son about what this player meant to the boy's grandfather, who it was, they were, they were, they were Jewish, and uh, and and this man oh, would yeah. play during the high holiday, and how important that was to to the Jewish community in general, and and so <laughs> you're hearing how how this player has has had this <laughs> impact on on a family by doing nothing but taking a day right. off of work, right beyond <laughs> the game exactly. Yeah, because so they, we want to feel that like they're, that. we want to feel that what, that we're not, but a couple of steps away from those guys. I think that's the kind of the beauty of baseball, where in other in other sports sometimes there's a separation, and I feel like with baseball, we all kind of feel like it could be any one of us because we've all done this, you know, on some level. We've been on a field. We've, you know, we we take it very seriously, very personally because it it could be me, it could be you, it could be anybody, and and that guy doesn't seem so different from us. I think that's the kind of the glory right. of it and why it impacts people in such a, on such a big way. And plus, you know, the season's real long. So we have them with us for quite a long time during this, during this, during the year. Um, but now can you tell me a little bit about like, what stage are we in with the Fergie Jenkins statue? Where it's is all, it at? The, the sculpting is almost done. It's uh, it it, it uh, they'll be they'll be coming out there in the next couple of weeks to to uh, make any final changes or final approval uh, on it. Um, it's uh, you know, I, I've been going. <laughs> we I've gotten <laughs> hammered with with everything that's been delaying me like crazy, but we're still on point for for when they want it. It's uh, but um. Yeah, but it looks. I'm I'm really happy with how it looks. It's it is almost finished. I like I have elements on it that are done. It's like I come home and tell my wife, okay, the hand holding the ball, done. I done. Think yeah. His 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 back foot, done. The glove, oh, wow. done. You know, <laughs> everything else is very advanced. His face, his head, his cap, done. Uh, so there's you know you just every day you get a little little farther along and. Uh, oh. And the, all of these, I when I whenever possible, I try and isolate a uh, at the very least a year or a moment in time. And uh, with Ernie, I thought they were going to want 1969, and they did not. They went with 1971. They went 71. Oh, did they? Yeah, they went with 59, and uh, they oh, wanted Ernie, the second. Sorry. Yeah, the second year of uh, of uh, the um, that he won an MVP award, and I meant <laughs> okay, and okay. I mentioned. I mentioned this to a friend of mine and he said, you know, that's the first year my father took me to a game. And he said they were playing the Braves and uh, uh, the Milwaukee Braves and they uh, Warren Spahn was pitching and there was two outs and two runners on and the Cubs were down by two runs. And he said, and Spahn walked this guy with two outs and the bases were loaded and Ernie (laughs) Banks came up and hit a grand slam and the Cubs were up four to two. And he said, and he said, this is the first game I've ever been to. And it was just electrifying. And, I, oh, and I'm looking man. at him and I said, from now on, when anybody asks me, when is this supposed to be? I said, this is the moment right before Warren Spahn <laughs> threw that pitch that Ernie hit a grand slam off of. So. <laughs> and then very well, maybe you have to think about that too, because that would have been a moment that people would have been shooting. I'm well, I don't know if Ernie would have been smiling as uh, Warren threw the ball, but. <laughs> unless unless the ball is in the air and he's like, "That's my pitch." As they say, when the fact becomes legend, I'm sticking with the legend. 
I'm I'm with you on that 100. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah Fergie is 1971, so the uniform is is uh, is matching everything, and and um, the the glove is is almost identical. What uh, it it's the style is identical. Uh, there there might be some variations on the labels because they sent me photos of one of his gloves and they had details from all sides and said, do this. And Fergie has, has supported that. So that's how I handled it. It's a, it's a Rawlings and it's got, it's called the, you know, the trap ease. And it's a, it's a neat. Uh, how many of us had one of those? <laughs> <laughs> well, I found one that wasn't identical, but I found one that was from a different year, but it was very similar on eBay. So it was helpful from a reference, uh, standpoint that's always what you're always trying to get is is reference yeah. material you never have enough reference material of course, so there's always more and you're always you know trying to learn more about <laughs> about these people and and fergie has had such a uh you know a, an extraordinary life uh with with his his difficulties with his losses and um and so as you're working on any of these sculptures you have these thoughts and uh, going through your head about who you're working on and trying to understand them. Because one of the things I was taught early at this place was um, I, the first thing I ever did when I went there was I was, I did a, a portrait of the movie actor, Clark Gable. And the, I, the bust, right? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and he, uh, and, and Omri was of course working with me on it. And he said, he said at some point he said, okay, he said, uh, I, I thought it was almost done. And he came over and he looked at it and he said, this is really good. We're ready to get started. And I put, <laughs> started. And, it, and he said, he said, it's okay. He said, anybody would look at this and know it's Clark Gable. He said, but now we need to feel Clark Gable. And so that's, you get to this point where the mechanics are all there and you've, you've got this, this, this image. So somebody looks at it. But then you really dig in and you're, you know, I'm blowing up big photos of his eyes up close and his nose and his mouth and his chin. And you're just and you're watching video and getting to meet him uh, would help yeah. because you never know how some little dimple is actually a vital part of, of how he looks. And you might yeah. ignore it based on a photo. But when you're seeing them, it's like, oh, geez, that's that's there. You see that's a part of him. That's part of his personality. So you're really trying to, to feel this and, uh, and, and the expression he's making, if you look at that sports illustrated, you'll see, it's not what you see when he's uh, giving an interview uh, before no, it's, it's a real not. intense, you know, wide eyed right. look that, that is definitely reflective of, of what you would see when he would uh, be delivering a pitch. Yeah. I had the, I told him I had the, uh, the, the experience of uh, being at a Randy Huntley uh, camp, years ago and he struck me out on three pitches so. <laughs> at least you got three <laughs> i joined a long list of people who pretty struck out so i <laughs> had that going a, for a prestigious me prestigious list and you should be proud to be on it <laughs> little did i know that this would be happening i wasn't sculpting at the time it was like 1988 as i recall wow <laughs> and well, he was still in darn good shape too he was, he's in good shape now but uh, <laughs> So maybe there's a little bit of awe that's built into the, oh, yeah. the work that you've done on him because it's like, that's the real stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Amazing, amazing. So um, one of our other uh, viewers today, Kathy Grossman, had asked, like, how many total sculptures have you done now with this? I'm assuming, like, with this group I'm, I'm because you got started right here. And do you do work outside of the, oh, this I'll, I'll work on my own studio? stuff outside of there. Uh, sure. Um, but, uh, you know, just things that I like to do for myself. Uh, but, um, I, I you'd think I would know this right off the top of my head. How many I've done. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it, it's certainly dozens, uh, I, uh, dozens. uh the, uh, well, you know, you, you, it, I work on so many things that aren't mine as well. You know, you'll have oh, I mean, yeah. working on, on the work. So uh, a year or so ago, Omri was doing one of uh, Bob Cousy for uh, his hometown in Massachusetts. And I had no other project myself. So I was working with him every day. So, uh, you know, my, my name wouldn't be on that. That's his piece. But, <laughs> but, I, but I'm working on Bob Cousy. So, you know, well, how many have I worked on? There's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so there's yeah. a lot. There's at least a hundred yeah. of them over over time. Um, 
outside of the sports world, what is there a piece that you're most proud of? Uh, <laughs> I, I know one of the funner ones that I did outside of the sports world was uh, in Valparaiso uh, of uh, Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> I thing. love that statue. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, 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 it came up in a paper one day that they were going to, they wanted, they had a competition going and my mom of all people was the one who informed me they were doing this and <laughs> got the job. And it was, of so course you did. <laughs> It was, and and they were, they, they were just really, and they're really nice people in the town and they were, you know, they wanted it for their popcorn festival and things <laughs> like that. So that was, that one was a lot of fun uh, um, that I was particularly proud of outside of sports. There was a, a really interesting, oh, well, I, one of them that meant a lot to me was uh, uh, Father Hesburgh and Father Joyce uh, for University of Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't good enough student to go to Notre Dame, but I have a lot of family okay. that that has <laughs> and and works there and things like that. So there there is a real connection and getting that that was a competition. I didn't just get handed that one. That was a tough yeah. one to get, and that that really uh, that meant a lot uh, to wow. for me to get that project. But there was an interesting one in Michigan um, at Oakland University. Uh, they they wanted to do one of the founder. It was a woman, and I. Almost never get an opportunity to sculpt I, women. And uh, right. this this woman's name was Matilda Dodge Wilson, and she was the heir to the Dodge Empire. Uh, her father and brother in law were the founders of Dodge Motors, and they both died, uh, ironically, uh, during the pandemic, the Spanish flu. Oh wow! They, they picked it up, uh, as I understand it, at the auto show in New York, and overnight, this woman was. Uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and, and she became very philanthropic. She sold off uh, the company eventually. And she, she did, she was the first woman Lieutenant governor in the country. She, uh, she was constantly doing things to help the underprivileged in in the Detroit area. Uh, And she and her husband, her second husband founded this school in Oakland. And uh, they had a huge, have a huge estate there, a mansion that is part of the campus now and uh, that and it was somebody I knew nothing about when I got the job, right. and with the whole idea of capturing somebody's personality, I was researching her, trying to learn more and more about it. And by the time I was finished, I I, I did take a great deal of pride in what I had done. Right, amazing, amazing. I actually have a couple of questions from our viewership. So, in particular, and I don't expect you to name names. But one of the first questions was, what is your worst experience with a client? My worst experience with a client? <laughs> if you've had one, maybe it's all been sunshine and roses, but. Oh, um, I did have, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, if this wasn't being recorded, I suppose I wouldn't. <laughs> it, like, don't it, name names, you're okay. Well, there was, there, I mean, there was redemption in the end, but uh, it, what happens a lot is, the subjects of these, when they see them, if they're alive and able to view them, um, tend to be much more uh, accepting of everything they see. Uh, and if it's a man, mostly is what it was men are, so mostly a scope. Their wives scrutinize these a lot. And uh, I mean, you know, for example, I, you know, when Carlton and Linda Fisk came in, you know, she she said to me, she said, "Boy, Lou, she said, I came in here, you know." just ready to really make sure you got it all. And, uh, and <laughs> I have nothing to change. And, and she was really excited about it and really happy about it. Now there was, there was another one where um, uh, it was a coach, I think. And, uh, and his wife, he, he was going to let it, he was going to, he was fine with it. And she wasn't, she didn't like it. Oh no. <laughs> and well, it was a strange thing. You know, she was right. And, and what happened was, we, um, the, the guy, for whatever reason, he, he didn't look like his photographs. And it was one of those hindsight things, because when people were coming in and looking at me working on it, they, uh, people who didn't know him, who would just see him on television were saying that, uh, that it, oh, yeah, it looks just like him, you know, it's so-and-so. But occasionally people who actually know him, knew him would come in and they would just give this, oh, that's nice. And so when they actually came, we could see at that point 
when when she really started you know yeah. <laughs> she, she was no shrinking violet let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> that's good that's good though because uh, it yes, maybe pushed uh, you in in the way like where omri had said to you about like Clark Gable, you have to really dig Mm-hmm. And maybe she was like, you didn't dig far enough. Well, I, I always say, you know, you, you better listen when it's in clay because it's a lot easier to fix it when it's in clay. <laughs> and a lot easier to take those those <laughs> moments of, uh, of of difficulty than it, than it is if it's out there in bronze and there's a whole right. bunch of reporters and newspapers, you know, like like complaining yep. about a missing apostrophe, if you remember that incident. Right. You know, it's yes. just... You know what? What do you? It, it becomes a different, a different issue. So uh, that, that's that's the beauty of where I work because there's a lot of yeah. artists there. So while you may not want to listen to somebody telling you what's wrong with your work, right. you better listen because you kind of have to. Yeah. Because okay. you know you you may not make the change they're saying, but if they're right, you know you you're going to want to know <laughs> and take right. care of it while it's in clay. So whoever comes out from the Cubs and when Fergie comes back. Anything they they want, of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, right. and and we're all gonna want it to be right. We're gonna want right. that day when they pull the cover off of it. They're the fans right. to to be happy about it. And, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're we're coming down to the end, but I have one last question from one of our viewers. Kathy Weedley wanted to know, like, from contract signing to completion, how much time would you say takes it, it takes for you to do the research and 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 through to completion? Usually, is there is there an average? Uh, no, the, I mean, you know, it, the initial conversation on this piece started before the pandemic. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> this has been getting, you know, on and that already seems, that already seems like 50 years ago. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, on average, I, I'd say probably about nine months, eight months, uh, Billy was quicker than I expected. Billy was uh, was ridiculously fast. That was five months from the time we started, wow. and I wouldn't want to do that again. Uh, wow! I, I, I told you know I was saying I said well, I said yes we can do it in five months. I said I said as long as nothing goes wrong and something always goes wrong. <laughs> Somehow it did not on on Billy, and we and it it it, it came wow. through uh, really nicely in the end. So yeah, I, five months is not. <laughs> <laughs> something I yeah. want to do. You, you like to tell them, you know, give me a year. And then that right. gives you a lot of cushion. And it became real valuable with this one in particular because my wife got COVID. I got COVID. Oh uh, my gosh, it, of course. Right, right as I was getting into in gear with it, I had an accident and broke my leg. Uh, it was, it's, you know, so <laughs> oh the idea God. that this is still going to get done on time is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, well, it also also gives me the perspective of of coming back and looking at it with fresher eyes, and that that counts for for something too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and on behalf of our of our viewers and and our and the guests here at our twenty twenty two Cubs unconventional, uh, it's a really special opportunity to be able to talk to you about this and and uh, learn a little bit about the process and kind of feel like it's more than just what goes on inside the stadium. You're, you're part of what the whole Wrigley experiences. So thank you very much for being here today, taking the time to, to explain this to us. And uh, we really look forward to seeing more of your work in the future. Oh, you're welcome. This was really nice. And uh, yeah, just you guys are a reflection of the rest of the organization. I, everybody I work with over there is just really pleasant people. And, and I, you know, there's never a, never a moment I don't want to work with the Cubs. It's, it's really awesome. Fun. Oh, that's awesome. We love to hear that. Thank you so much, uh, Lou. Uh, Frank, is there anything you want to add? That is all. I want to thank both of you as well, Stephanie, for hosting, uh, Lou, for doing this. Uh, it was very, very last minute. So thank you very, very much. All right. See you all later, everybody. Bye. Hey, guys, if you're hearing my voice here again, that means we've reached the end of the show. It's that time again for all the thank yous and special messages and disclaimers, you know, all the stuff you really tune in for each week. A big thank you yet again to all of our supporters who not only continue to tune into our show, but take the time to hit the like button, write reviews, and share our content on social media. It all really helps us grow our audience. Our Patreon page continues to thrive as well as we're working not only on the podcast, but Roku channel and the book club and on and on and on. If you'd like to be a part of that expanding mistaken identity experience, follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page or go to patreon.com and search mistaken identity podcast for all the ways you can sign up to access this multitude of additional content. 
Mistaken Identity is also now a part of the Unconfined Network, which is a home to many podcasts whose hosts have met inside the walls of Wrigley Field. To check out the network's other show offerings, head to unconfinednetwork.com. That's all one word, unconfinednetwork.com, to view all of our shows and their catalogs. Shouts out to Frank Walker, Jesse Graham, and Jordan Burks for their continued efforts both in front and behind the scenes to keep Mistaken Identity rolling along every week. And of course, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. This is Joe Flaherty for the Mistaken Identity Podcast saying stay safe, and we'll catch you next time beyond the ballpark. Hey, it's Frank from the Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark podcast. Listen, I get so many messages, emails, phone calls about investing because I talk about it so much on this show that I can't respond to them all. But what I've decided to do is do a class on Patreon for all of our supporters in two categories. For those that are 40 and under and those that are 40 and older because investing is different based on your age. I get asked, Frank, what is an NFT that these young folks are talking about? What is cryptocurrency? Or I hear about Frank, is it time to readjust my 401k? What's the best life insurance to get? What about life insurance that has living benefits? Or the big one, I just got a raise at my job, it's 2%, but inflation is 7%. Did I really get a loss? I have also noticed a trend. A lot of parents and or grandparents are starting to understand that the cost of college is skyrocketing. And they know that it is better to invest when your child is younger as opposed to later on. And I've recently been talking about how I have gotten some real estate and some stocks and some other investments into Jordan's name that he is taken care of if something were to ever happen to me. I'll break all of that down, how I did that, how you leave stuff to your children or loved ones in the will and all that good stuff on these investing sessions. Talking about all that and more on our Patreon page every week. Go and get it, patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast. Let's get investing and generational wealth together.